more thing on that calendar. For those of you that are digitally oriented and you say, I'm going to lose this paper thing, good news for you. If you go onto our website under the calendar, if you click on calendar, you will find Josh has made a link for you to be able to go on there, click on it. And as a matter of fact, Miss Rhonda has put it together so that as you click on each day, guess what? Pop up that Bible verse will pop right up for you. So you can put that on your phone. You can take that with you. Just click and click and click and click and you will have all kinds of clicky, clicky, clickies. You will have the word of God given to you. Uh, I mean, we can't make it any more simpler than that. We've given it to you so you can look it up. We've given it to you so you can click it and, and find it so it's there for you. All right, for those of you that have your Bible with you this morning, for those of you that are still going old school, hold it up so that I can see that we got one or two. All right, good, a bunch of you. For those of you that are going new school with the, uh, the, the uh, telephones and all that, you may need to get on to our guest uh, website, to our guest uh, 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 Wi-Fi to be able to pull up your phone um, app. So turn in your Bibles, if you would, with me to the book of Philippians. As you have heard, uh, we have entered into the season of uh, the Christmas. And in that, Philippians chapter 4, I want to talk to you about uh, the joy of giving to the Lord. In the book of Philippians, Paul writing to uh, the church of Philippi, talking about his uh, uh, needs and how they were able to help and to bless him as well as be a blessing. Philippians talks about the joy of giving to the Lord. So uh, I just thought this week as we begin the season of, uh, of giving that it would be a great reminder for us to, to be reminded that there is great joy in giving to the Lord. So if you don't mind, let's stand together as we read and honor the reading of the word of the Lord. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 10 and read down through to verse 20. It's in your Bibles, it's on your phone, it's on the screen. Again, we've got it there for you and it begins in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 10. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me has flourished again, wherein you also... Uh, careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state that I am in, where therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to, uh, to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and both to suffer in need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Not, notwithstanding, you have well done that you did communicate with my afflictions. Now, ye Philippians, know also that at the beginning of the gospel, when I de departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once again unto my necessity, not because I desire to give, but I desire the fruit that may abound in your account. But I have all and abound and am full, having received Epaphroditus uh, the things which thou hast sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. 
Amen. Father, thank you that you are the provider. You are the provision of our joy. You are the motivation of our joy. You are the hope of our joy. And Lord, as we give unto you, we can never outgive the joy that God gives to us as we give one to another. Lord, thank you for the opportunity today to be able to present your word. I pray that, Father, as we do, that, Lord, your Holy Spirit would take your word and speak unto your servants and that we would speak one to another and that as we love the, the brethren, Lord, we would also love the Lord by recognizing there is great joy in giving unto the things of the Lord. Now move me out of the way, hide me behind the cross, that it not be my word, but your word that is spoken this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. I don't know how many of you remember this may be dating a few of us. How many of you remember the comedian Flip Wilson? I loved Flip Wilson. He was my favorite when I was a kid. Um, But Flip Wilson told a story about a preacher and his church. A preacher was trying to get his people to be more enthusiastic about the church. The preacher said in his sermon, if this church is going to get anywhere, it has to learn to crawl. And this was one of those churches that responded to the preacher. And here's what the people said. Let it crawl, reverend, let it crawl. Then he said, after it learns to crawl, it needs to learn to walk. And the people responded, "Uh, let her walk, reverend, let her walk. The preacher got so excited and said, after the church learns to walk, it has to learn to run. And the people said, let her run, preacher, let her run. And the preacher said, well, I've got their attention now. He said, oh, as the, as the church learns to crawl, um, it, it needs to learn to walk. And as it learns to walk, it needs to learn to run. And if order for it to learn to run as a church, we need to start giving. Let her crawl, preacher, let her crawl. You know, sometimes when we start counting the cost, we want to back up, all right? But we don't want to back up. We want to move forward. We want to keep going. Listen, my friends, we've heard the testimony today. In 10 years, this church has paid back uh, $1.1 million just about. And, and, And that's amazing as we have seen the ups and downs of our congregation throughout these last 10 years. We've had our great times and we've had our lean times. Uh, It seems as though that we have turned the corner into the time and season that where someone, somewhere, even if you've been to the store, you've heard the ding-a-ding-a-ling-a-ling, everybody seems to be asking the same thing. They're asking for us to give. The season of giving is upon us. Yes, even the church is asking you to give. Yes, every Sunday morning we ask, make sure you leave your tithes and your offerings in the plate as you leave. We have just gotten done doing the Samaritan's per shoebox collection where you had to go out and shop for these kids around the world and build shoeboxes. And then we're, we're collecting today for the Ash County Children's Project where we have adopted children in our own county, in our own community that are in need so that we can buy them something for Christmas so that no kid goes without something in Christmas. And even today, we heard about the fact that we are going to start a First Fruits 22. But yet, we need to be reminded that, that not only that, next week we're going to introduce Lottie Moon. And who's she? 
She is the representative for uh, international missions where we are going to collect and give money to our missionaries that are around the world, people that we're supporting, countries that we're trying to reach, people that have never heard the gospel before. Everywhere we turn, it seems as though somebody's got their hand out. Somebody's saying, can you give? I don't know how many uh, mailings I've gotten in the last month that have said, can you give to this and that and the other? And it is the season of giving. As a matter of fact, we just come through Giving Tuesday. It's an internet thing and all kinds of things. So giving seems to be the the motive of, uh, of what's going on. And I tell you, it can become discouraging if we don't look at it correctly. If we don't understand that it's not about what we're giving, what we're giving away, but it's about what we're getting as we give it away. It is understanding that it is better to give than receive. And where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The Philippian church gives, gives us a great example of what we need to learn about the secrets of joyful giving. Liberal financial giving. The church at Philippi had taken up an offering for the Apostle Paul to do international missions. While he was there in prison because of his faith, Paul wrote back to the church and expressed his great joy. Look, if you would, at verse 10 and listen to what it says. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. Paul said, boy, you just blessed my heart. Your giving made my heart jump for joy. And listen, he goes on to talk about the fact that not only did it make his heart jump for joy, but those who gave also experienced a joy. Joy, or its results, occurs more than 20 times in Paul's letter to the, to the church of Philippi. I want to ask you this morning, have you discovered the joy of giving, or are you still living in the drudgery of having to give to everybody and anybody? Well, listen, I want you to understand that I know we can't give to everybody and everything, but where the Spirit of the Lord commands us, where the Spirit of the Lord encourages us, there we should give, but we should give with a joyful heart. We should give with an abundance of, of joy. We should not only give because we're helping others, we should give because our giving does something for us. Well, preacher, what does it do for me? Great, I'm glad you asked, so now pay attention. I want to give you five things that giving to the Lord will do for your life. Five areas that the, the Apostle Paul shares with us from the letter to the Philippi, uh, Philippian church as to how giving to the Lord will give to us certain things. Um, so I hope that you'll listen and discover that great joy of giving. So first of all, giving revives our concern. Verse 10 again reminds us that, that giving revives our concern. Listen, I'll tell you, it's real easy in, in a world in which we're living, it's real easy to forget about where all the concerns and all the needs are because we can get so caught up in our own everyday life, our own paying the bills and managing life and, and doing things that we kind of forget that there's a world out there that God told us that we're to be concerned about as His children. And the Bible tells us that, that here the Philippian church flourished in their concern. Listen, listen to what it says. 
But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that from uh, at, at last your care for me has flourished again. Wherein also you were careful, you, 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 you tried, but you had lack of opportunity. The word uh, flourished again in verse 10 pictures something that was dead, but now is back to life. The word sometimes translated is revived. Uh, revive us again, O Lord, that we might be concerned about the lostness around us. Revive us again, O Lord, that we might recognize that God has told us to do evangelism. Revive us again that we might come back to a desire, O Lord, to do for you once again. The word picture here is a tree or a plant that is barren through the winter. But come spring, the tree or plant blossoms into new sprouts and flowers. The Philippian church had been barren in expressing their concern for the work of the Apostle Paul of sharing the gospel. The, the Philippian church said, now we want to give you the gift of money. And they sent it to the Apostle Paul. And they were now blossoming anew with concern for, God, uh, for Paul's welfare and the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Giving takes our focus off of ourselves and puts it onto someone or something else. Giving becomes a tangible way for you and I to express our concern and love to other people. Let me explain it this way. A rich man sought to, to help, uh, uh, from, uh, some help from a wise counselor. The counselor led the man to a window in his office that overlooked a street below, a busy little street, and he said, Tell me, sir, what do you see? The man looked down and said, I see people, people going everywhere. The counselor then led him away from the window over to the other wall to where there was a mirror. Stood the man in front of the mirror and said, Look in there. He said, Tell me what you see. And the man looked and said, All I see is myself. The counselor then explained <clears throat> that a mirror is simply a glass with a little silver painted on the back side of it. No sooner than a little silver is added to the glass, we no longer see the people, but we see ourselves. You see how sometimes focusing on ourselves takes away the view of everybody else. We need to be reminded that we need to look through the looking glass and see that there are others out there besides ourselves. One afternoon, three children, two boys and a girl, entered a flower shop. They were about nine and ten years old, raggedly dressed, but at this moment well scrubbed. One of the boys took off his cap and gazed around the store, somewhat doubtful. Then came up to the person who owned the store and said, Sir, we'd like something in yellow flowers. There was something in their tense, nervous manner that made the man think that this was a very special occasion. He showed them some inexpensive yellow spring flowers. The boy that was the spokesman for the group shook his head. I think we'd like something better than that. The man asked, Do you have, does it have to be yellow? The boy answered, yes, sir. You see, Mickey, he would like them better if they were yellow. He had a yellow sweater. I guess he'd like them better than any other color. 
The man then asked, is this for his funeral? The boy nodded, suddenly choking up. The little girl that was with him desperately struggling to keep back her tears. The little boy said she was his sister. He was a small kid. He was a swell kid. A truck hit him while we were out playing in the street. His lip began to quiver. The other boy entered the conversation. Us kids in the block have taken up a collection. We've got 18 cents. Sir, would roses cost an awful lot? Sir, I mean yellow roses. The man smiled. and He said, it just so happens that I'm running a special today on yellow roses. He said, I think they're 18 cents a dozen. The man pointed to the flower case, and the little boy said, gee, those would be swell. Mickey sure would like them. The man said, I'll make up a nice spray with ferns and ribbons. Where would you like me to send them to? What funeral home? One of the boys responded and said, Sir, if it'd be all right with you, could we just take them with us? We think Mickey would like it better if we gave him the flowers. The florist fixed the spray of flowers and accepted the 18 cents gravely and watched the youngsters trot out the store. And he felt within his heart the warm glow of God's presence. For he had remembered anew the meaning of the words of Jesus. Even as you have done this unto the least of these little ones, you have done it unto me. Giving can help recreate a concern for others that may have been swallowed up during this whole issue of this pandemic. Where we've lost sight of the world and the needs of others around us. Where we've become so focused in on ourselves that we need a gentle reminder from God. There are others in greater need than us. As we focus on the needs of others and give to help those in needs, we'll experience the joy of the Lord. Giving revives our concern for others. But giving also teaches us contentment. In verse 11, the Apostle Paul reminds us that that he has learned something himself. Paul did not want this church to think that his joy rested on whether or not that he got money. Paul had schooled himself to be satisfied with whatever he had. He had joy in his life not because his purse was full, but because he had learned contentment. The Greek Stoic used the word content to describe self-sufficiency. Paul believed his sufficiency was found in none other than Jesus Christ. The writer of Hebrews said it this way in chapter 13, verse 5, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Paul believed that whether or not, naked or clothed, hungry or filled, rich or poor, he had the Lord in his life, and that was everything that he needed. Today we live in a consumer 
oriented society pressures us to place too much value on material things to the point that our joy is based upon how much we have and whether or not we have the latest and greatest trinket. How many of us know that this Christmas season already we have seen the advertisement of you might have this but if you don't have this you don't have it at all. We've all experienced that pressure to go out and to buy the latest and greatest, to feed our economy, to feed the the, the hunger of that desire for consumer-oriented pressure. My friends, this approach to life results oftentimes in chronic dissatisfaction. Because the truth of the matter is, just as soon as we buy that new thing and before we get it home, get it out of the box, and we've even played with it a little bit, we look on the TV or we look on the billboard, and there they've come out with a new one, and we're no longer up to date. You see, the reality is it never seems to be enough. It reminded me of this story. An elderly man who had learned to live off a little watched as his new neighbor moved in one day. After all kinds of modern appliances, electronic gadgets, plush furniture, and costly wall hangings were carried in to the man's house, the older man called him over to the fence and said, If you find now that you've moved in and you're lacking anything, come on over and let me know and I'll tell you how you can live without it. Don't you think we could use a lesson or two on how to live without it? How do you define contentment these days? Contentment is not trimming down your desires. Contentment simply means living with a sense of God's adequacy. A conviction that God is adequate for every need, any need, all the needs that we will face in this life. Therefore, we can give joyfully knowing that God promises that I will supply all of your, listen, needs, not wants. I'm so glad that God has provided everything that I've needed, not everything that I've wanted, but everything that I've needed all of my life. Can a Christian really obtain joyful contentment, especially in this materialistic world in which we live in today? I would simply say to you, yes. Yes, we can. Look at what verse 13 says. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. You want contentment? Seek the face of the Lord. Tell God that you want Him to make you content in Him. From our union with Jesus comes the strength to learn to be content in Him. The third thing that we learn is that giving makes us a partner in ministry. Look, if you would, to verse 14. Notwithstanding, you have well done that you did communicate with my affliction. Paul said this about the gift of the money sent to the church at Philippi. The words communicated or shared in this are the same words often translated in the word fellowship. The word denotes a partnership. Each time that we give to the Lord's work, We are partnering. Every time that we give to Sunday morning tithe, a portion of that tithe goes to our cooperative program that helps us to do ministry across North Carolina and around the world. 
Every time that you give to such things as Annie Armstrong or, or Lottie Moon, you're giving to North American missions or international missions. When you give to First Fruits 22, we're partnering with other believers in our church to advance the gospel because as soon as we pay off this debt, it frees us up to say, God, what do you have for us next? What big adventure are you wanting us to do? Listen, my friends, debt cripples us until we are freed from it. We don't have the freedom to expand, and we need to. We need to do what God is calling us to do. It's exciting when we are given the opportunity to partner with others in the advancement of the kingdom of God. That exciting thought should bring joy to each of our heart. I read this little story written and sent in to Billy Graham, and it touched my heart. He said, Dear Reverend Graham, you will probably never see this letter. I know, however, I feel compelled to write it to you anyways. I am 28 years old, a victim of cerebral palsy since birth. I have never been able to use my hands. They flop about, getting in my way, breaking things, hitting people, and behaving like naughty children. Everything I do is done with my feet. For example... I am writing this with a ballpoint pen between my uh, toes on my left foot. The right foot, it isn't much good for anything except turning pages and walking. But that is beside the point. The point is that for many years I have made, uh, or I have made sending change, or spending, spending change and brought most of my clothes by selling fancy needlework that I do. The Lord has blessed me with many wonderful friends and I have most always found a ready sale for my wares. But I am slow and the little money that I make is soon gone. I do tithe my earnings, but I have long wanted to do more. To be able to give to your crusade has been an unattainable goal for several years. Because of my speech defects, I cannot tell people about the wonderful Savior or how to be a soul winner. I felt that though uh, I might repay a little of my debt to Christ, I am indeed thankful. It is with grateful joy that I send this enclosed $10 check. I have high hopes that it will not be lost or last. Eleanor Droth was a young lady from Middletown, Kentucky. In January, this was recorded in January 15, 1959. Southern Baptists have recognized this very same thing that this young lady understood. The partnership of one another. What we cannot do on our own, but what little bit that we can give to partner with others, little as much when God is in it. We know that through our cooperative program, through Lottie Moon, Annie Armstrong offerings, we are partnering with missions to support plans that allow us to do far more together than we could ever do on our own. First Fruits 22 allows us to say one to another, not, probably not any one of us could pay off the remainder of this note, but together we could do it. 
Not in another 10 years. Not in another five years. I believe that we could do it in just another Sunday when we do it together. It is so important to realize that giving partners us up one with another. Number four, giving pays spiritual dividends. I want you to understand that, listen, giving it away is not really giving it away. Giving it away is simply investing for a future. How many of you, and you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you have invested for the future? How many of you had, had, had at your work or, or place of business or some way in your life have set aside some kind of retirement plan for down the road so that you have something set aside later in life so that you can use that down the road? Paul makes it clear that he is not looking for monetary gifts for his own benefit. Look at verse 17 and 18. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that it may abound to your account. But I have all and abound and full, having received Epaphroditus the things which you have sent from me, from you, an odor, a sweet-smelling Savior, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. God, giving blesses the one who gives more than the one who receives. The phrase credited to your account implies that giving to the Lord is like investing in the kingdom that matters. Kingdom work pays special dividends. It play, pays spiritual dividends. The Bible tells us don't, don't hoard up your treasures here on earth, but store them in heaven. So that when you get there, nothing can corrupt them, nothing can steal them. They will be there waiting for you. Giving with the right motive and from the, with the right reason because God has given it to us, gives us that desire. Look again at verse 18. But I have all and abound in all and full having received. Having received. This language from the Old Testament shows that giving becomes an act of worship, a devotion to God. Sacrifice to God fills our heart with great joy. Psalms chapter 4 and verse 5 says, Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. Psalms 4, 7 says, Thou hast put gladness in my heart more than in the times of their corn and in the wine increased. Consider, my friends, that these figures that I am about to tell you show just how many people are missing out on the blessings that result from giving to the Lord's work. It is said that 75% of the money given to churches comes from 25% of the people. Southern Baptist Statistics says that our Southern Baptist giving as a, a whole is little more than just 3% of our income. Think about that just for a moment. Think about the opportunities of receiving the dividends of God's blessings if we give. Number five, giving grows our faith in God. Because listen, my friends, when you give it away, you don't know, no more have it. And you must trust the Lord for your needs. Perhaps some of the members of the church of Philippi 
had given to Paul's ministry, but now were worried and concerned that they would not have enough money left to meet their own needs. Paul gave them a great promise that we all can stand on today. I know that many Christians today are even sitting around the kitchen table or at a desk each and every month trying to figure out how to pay all of the bills. And they conclude that they have no or little money to give to the Lord's work because they've got to put braces on the kids' teeth pay the college tuition, buying new tires for the car, replacing the roof on the house. All of these things loom over our heads as larger priorities than the faithful financial stewardship of giving to God's work. Verse 19, however, encourages us to take a step of faith, to give, trusting God to meet our needs. Listen to those words again. But my God, shall supply all your needs. Listen, it gets better according to his riches and glory. My friends, you and I and all that we may possess in this rich country that we live in compare nothing to what God possesses. God promises to meet our every personal need. For he says, my God. He meets our needs liberally, all your needs. He meets our needs graciously, according to his gracious riches in Christ Jesus. Let me close. Stewardship is not some drudgery burden. It is not something that we have to do. It should be something that we get to do. It's another dimension of Christian joy. Paul explodes in this passage with joy that come both to him and to the Philippian believers through their faithful giving. Being a good steward is not just giving our tithes and offerings on Sunday mornings. It's also about getting joy and eternal ward with our giving. Paul paints a beautiful picture of joy and stewardship. A picture that is still vivid today and still true for us. So let me end with one question. Does your life express joyful giving? If not, ask the God. Just ask God. Make my heart a joyful heart. Make my heart a giving heart. Let me not look to my needs, but look to your abundance. Let me not be concerned with my wants, but with your needs. And ask God just to allow you to practice giving so that you can experience the joy that comes from giving. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the opportunity today to be able to lift the word of the Lord. And Father, this morning as we think about the fact that it seems as though that everybody around us is asking us to give. Everyone around us is asking that we reach into our pocket, pull out something, and leave it with them. But Lord, may I just remind our people that we can't give more than what God has already given us. 
we can't outgive a gracious and loving God. So, Father, I pray not that they would focus on the money, the amount, but that they would focus on the heart and say, Lord, give me a giving heart, a heart of joy, a heart that sees the needs of others, that partners one with another, that receives the grace, the joy of the Lord, and knows that there is eternal reward So, Father, here am I this morning asking, Father, that you would bless the heart of each and every giver. And for those that are struggling with, can I give, should I give, and what should I give? God, I pray this prayer. Lord, help them to seek the wisdom of the Lord and to walk by faith and not by sight. And, Lord, bound them with the bountiful blessings of a giving heart, a joyful heart, a heart filled with God's grace and his joy. Bless them now, O Lord, I pray, as we make preparations for what, O Lord, we can do this week. Perhaps it's giving to another. Perhaps it's a lending hand. Perhaps it's giving of time. Perhaps it's giving of attention. Whatever our gift, would you use it, O Lord, for the furtherance of your kingdom and for your glory. We ask it in Jesus' name.